Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. everyone, welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And Stephanie Flippin, USA 100 mile champ and top 10 all time in the world at Woo. that distance, talks about how to endure from keys to preparing properly to game-changing insights and lessons on the show today. Mm-hmm. And stick around after that. For this week's World of Running update, a horde of men running under 28 minutes in Japan, my words, a not, horde? not <laughs> Japan Running News's words, and an incredible Manchester race in the fastest known turkey. All of that on the show today. So clearly, it's great. The question is, do you have all the information you need? Hmm. And probably not, unless you have gone to adcrunning.com, you've looked for the word follow, clicked on it followed all the steps involved, and then gone to the places where you like to consume content, YouTube, podcasts, stuff. We're on Apple. We're on Google. We're in all of those things and social media if you prefer there. Mm-hmm. And if you do, sometimes we get a chance to connect with you. Petal Princess writes poetry about running and endurance sports, and she wrote well, she writes lots of great poetry, but I picked out one to share this week. Are you going to read poetry on air? Yes, I'm going to read poetry on air. It's very yeah, you, relevant you're, to you're, the topic of running. you should give a disclaimer before you ever okay. do this to people. Say, I'm about to read poetry. I'm about to read poetry. Good. When the road is blocked, find another road. This challenge a gift you've been bestowed. You are a warrior. Let it be known. This is your training to own. Sarah Sauter. And Sarah replied when I I had first asked if I could share this, and she said yes. And then she replied on that post, thank you for the kind words. Your timing is impeccable, too, as I come upon another crossroads with an unexpected and unexplained roadblock. She explained some injury. Running has a way of highlighting the poetic rhythms of life. I'm taking heed like you and slowing down to focus on that important strength and mobility work. We got this. Which is relevant to our Pertinent. topic today. Yes, it's, this mm. is the conversation that we're having today with Stephanie. So I really appreciated that from Sarah and, and of course, her skills oh, yes. of Good. poetry yes. writing. Thank you, Sarah. So, thank you, Sarah. Speaking of pertinence, also mm-hmm. relevant to today's sponsor. Yes. Which is taking care of our bodies. Hip Hook by yes. Aletha. I have one of my hairs on it because I've been... I've been using wow, it a this lot. Is, this is really funny. It's, it's great. Pr- Hopefully you're tangled. not watching this now as Andy <laughs> untangles hair from. Yours will not come with hairs attached to them. You this also is just should mine. not be it's using well this loved. on your well head. <laughs> uh, yep. That is a disclaimer. You'll ha- find how to use this videos and lots of tutorials on Hip Hook's website. Mm. And that's Aletha Health. So you'll want to check that out. But of course, the hip hook, I've been mentioning it on the podcast and on social media because it releases those hard to reach hip flexor muscles like the iliacus and the psoas, which Mm -hmm. has been imperative for my road to recovery. Drop the mic. Now, one of these considerations with stuff like this is that there's lots of different kinds of recovery tools that all do largely similar things. This is entirely unique. So mm-hmm. if you have particular issues related to that spot precisely, this is the kind of tool that does things that others do not. Mm-hmm. So worth the consideration. Yep. Very helpful. And we can get you a discount. Look at that. At checkout, put in the code A-T-O-Z. Again, a to Z. That's A-T-O-Z for 10% off. 10% off, mm-hmm. which goes a long way on the hip hook. So keep in mind that if you got hip issues and you've never tried something quite like this, it's worth a try. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So thanks to our sponsor, Aletha Health. And with that, let's get on now to our main topic. Twenty twenty one U.S. one hundred mile champion Stephanie Flippin joins us to talk about how to handle the load. Enduring the load. Flippin is a great person to heed advice from since she has done multiple 100 mile races at a high level and has stayed injury free for a decade. Okay. Yeah. Listen. We got to listen up to this listen. woman. So, Stephanie Flippin, who is she? She's a professional runner, 
ultra runner for Hoka, and she lives in Colorado. She has spent uh, 22 years of her life in San Diego and graduated from the University of California. Stephanie comes from a background of competitive ballet and didn't turn to distance running until she was in medical school as a way to manage her stress. She completed her first marathon in 2012 and soon after her first 50-miler and 100-mile races. Stephanie is, of course, like I mentioned before, the 2021 USATF 100-mile national champion. And she's the course record holder in a time of 14 hours and 35 minutes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. She is also the 2021 and 2020 Tunnel Hill 100-mile female champion and has raced dozens of ultras from the 50k to the 100 mile distances she is currently the fourth fastest american and sixth fastest in the world in the 100 mile distance with her pr of 1404 stephanie is also one of 10 runners in the country to be nominated for the usatf mountain trail ultra runner of the year in 2021 stephanie is the co-owner of her private practice that she has alongside her husband michael uh, mitchell excuse me in lakewood colorado where she practices as a foot and ankle clinician and surgeon. So this woman does a lot of things, so including she knows it inside she and does, out. And she's team. a coach, too, at Lift, Run, Perform. So uh, she helps lead an international team of about 50 athletes. So you're getting the best of from someone who does it, someone who helps teach other people how to do it, and someone who understands how it works at an anatomical mm-hmm. level. Yes. So we don't get that all in one no, place often. No. So we are thrilled and honored to have Stephanie Flippin join us today on the A to Z Running Podcast. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. Oh, well, I am so excited because I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a long time. And actually the timing right now couldn't be more perfect. Yeah. You're coming off of a PR. So first of all, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And a Thank big win, so of course. Yeah. Uh, let's just get started there. Do you want to talk through that race with us? I'm sure our audience yeah. would love to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I am coming off of racing Tunnel Hill 100. Um, it was actually a bit of a pivot in my racing schedule. Um, I raced Tunnel Hill 100 last year. Um and things just kind of panned out um, to where I decided to return again this year. Um, I'm really, really glad I did. Um, I was able to um, defend my title as I won last year. Um, and I was also to, able to take a significant amount of time off, um, not only my PR, um, but the time I ran on the course last year, um, which was really, really awesome um, to do. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the win and a PR and you set yeah. some other PRs within the race, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from a pacing perspective, I don't know how like great it is to say that I, you know, PR'd in the 50 mile and hundred K along the way. I think it's more so of the fact that I haven't, um, I don't have a lot of like, um, fast, um, like 50 mile and hundred K races under my belt. That's kind of more of, um, why I think that happened, but yeah, I, um, was able to, um, log some pretty, um, strong splits, um, through the 50 mile and then the hundred K, um, and then as well as about a 30 minute PR in the hundred mile distance, um, in 1404. Wow. So yeah, very wow. pleased. Yeah. Congratulations. That's <laughs> Thank incredible. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you are an expert at these long, long distances. You're the yeah. USATF hundred mile champion. And you, the last five races you've won that you've Mm run, which is absolutely incredible. So there's a lot to unpack with you. And especially with your expertise in the medical field, I was hoping Mm -hmm. we could bring that in too, for our listeners. Yeah. And, um, we'll talk about like the physical load of running and then some Mm -hmm. of the mental and physical strategies that you employ to be able to do these long, massive runs. Yeah. (laughs) Right. <laughs> understatement, right? Yeah. Understatement <laughs> of the century. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do, let's, let's start with the, the physical load of running, running a hundred mile race. And yeah. what do you do? Let's start with preparation and then we'll move to the race itself. Yeah. So, um, you know, I feel like a lot of folks out there probably see um, you know, like, or they're probably thinking like the training, you know, in the weeks leading up to a hundred mile race, like it absolutely has to be high mileage. I feel like, yes, that is true. Um, you know, the hundred mile distance is something, and I, I feel like it's the main reason why I really love it. Um, but the distance is something that 
exposes you, like it strips you down. You, you can't get away with evading strength work, um, you know, the pure mileage, um, the specificity, um, you know, Tunnel Hill is a fast course. It's certainly not, you know, it's the total opposite of something and say like hard rock, um, you know, so there still has to be, you know, a mainstay of speed work in there. Um, obviously it's relative. Um, you know, if I have, if you have 5k listeners, they're like speed work, <laughs> um, that's relative. Um, but like I said, you can't with the distance, you can't really skip any of those things. Um, and that's probably true also, you know, for the marathon, but I, I just so strongly feel that, um, if you don't, if you aren't lifting, if you aren't doing like very specific, um, strength work for the hundred mile distance, it's not going to feel good. Um, and I come from a place of experience with that, um, because I've certainly ran multiple hundred mile races where, um, even last year, um, in 2020 at Tunnel Hill, um, you know, I was honestly very disappointed in myself when I came through the 50 mile mark, just at how like fatigued my legs were. Um, and to me, that was, you know, just kind of a sign that I just hadn't been as consistent as I should have been, um, with lifting and strength. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a distance where, you have to be able to bulletproof your body uh, in terms of getting it prepared um, to go that long. Um, and if you have specific time goals, um, like I said, you, you really have to be on top of all of the little things, um, including nutrition, you know, fueling is a huge, huge part, uh, you know, of the race itself. Um, but yeah, in terms of physical load, um, I'm, I'm certainly more of a high mileage runner. Um, but that's not to say that every single person lining up for a hundred miler, like has to be, um, again, I'm sure, you know, high mileage, that term is relative for, for all of us. Um, but for me, I feel like strength work has been the biggest mainstay in keeping me healthy, um, uh, and getting me to that finish line as fast as possible. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So how do as a medical professional, is there anything that has yeah. informed you? I'm sure that there is, but what things yeah. have informed your running or what things were you surprised by when you took yeah. on this sport? Was there anything <clears throat> that you're like, wow, these are some, these are things that I'm discovering along the way because of yeah. my knowledge, uh, in the medical yeah. field. I really feel like there is such an importance on mobility work. Um, again, I feel like that's something that I mean, you can get away with not doing it, um, but the difference that I feel in terms of incorporating it, you know, and I'm talking like active isolated stretching, dynamic stretching, things like that, like those things for me have really, I feel like given me that sort of edge and bumped me up to that next level, um, you know over the years I've learned it, it's not just running. Like it's not just about putting in the time on your feet. I mean, again, that's obviously critical, you know, and important, but, um, I feel like mobility work. Um, and like I said, like dynamic stretching has really been a huge game changer for me. Um, mm. and really it may not just be like from a form perspective, it may also be from a preventative perspective too. Um, you know, in terms of keeping those, you know, I, all of us have tight hamstrings that just kind of goes without saying that, um, you know, I feel like really staying on top of mobility work, um, has kept me healthy. Um, I've been fortunate, um, to have not had an injury in the last decade, um, that's taken me out of running. Um, you know, and the, as you know, it's like the ability to be able to stack consistent, uh, training blocks like that, um, is really, um, you know, where, where the, um, the pudding is. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Congrats on that. Thank you. That's a yeah, lot of I appreciate work. that. Yeah. 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 No. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, the caveat being is like, I haven't, I haven't been training at a very high level, um, you know, for 10 years straight or anything like that. Um, you know, many professional runners have, but I, I, I specifically have not. Um, but I've just kind of gradually built my way up. Um, and I, again, like I said, I feel very, very fortunate, um, to have been able to string together that many years of health. Cause I know it's not, um, common. And I know it's never like guaranteed either. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so Stephanie, can we ask you, like, what are some of the yeah. things that you do when you're doing your dynamic stretching and you're doing your mobility yeah. and your strength? Would you talk us through a few of the key things that you might do in a day? Yeah. Um, I use, um, I use a band, like a super, super long band. Um, and I do kind of just a series of active isolated stretches that kind of start with the more proximal muscle groups. Um, so I really start with working on my hamstrings and my quads, and then I kind of just move further down the chain. Um, and I really just focus on every single little muscle group. Um, 
it sounds like it would be laborious, but it's really only like a 10 minute routine. Um, I'm, I'm happy to share like a great link that I have um, that kind of walks, walks you through um, all of those stretches. They're very basic, honestly. Um, but I feel like that's kind of the key um, in staying consistent with something is a you know, a simple routine, you know, it's not extreme. It takes me 10 minutes a day to do. Um, it's something honestly more like recent that I've um, started incorporating, honestly, at the recommendation of my coach. But um, I, I really enjoy kind of the consistency of it. You know, it's something that's just kind of a part of my day, a part of my routine. Um, and it's become something that I honestly look forward to because it feels good too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and then in terms of strength work, um, you know, I have found a lot of benefit in lifting fairly heavy. Um, you know, my husband and I have been kind of, um, like hoarding different, um, (laughs) weights over the years at our um, little home gym. Um, but yeah, I found, I've definitely found benefit in, um, you know, increasing the load. Um, you know, we have a great, um, trap bar here at home that it's like, that was like the best investment we made. Um, but yeah, just like, you know, I'm not like a, um, I'm not like a certified strength coach or anything like that, but, um, you know, just all the basic movements, I can't underscore that enough, like basic squatting, basic deadlifting, um, you know, any single leg work. I feel like that's been really, really helpful for me. Um, and anything that's just really functional to running. Um, so I'm definitely not someone that's sitting there and doing like 30 bicep curls at once or anything like that. Um, but things, like I said, that are, that are functional to running. And I try to keep it as basic as possible. So that's sustainable for me. Mm. Yeah. Sustainability is key, especially I can imagine Mm -hmm. just from my, my more, um, limited experience, you know, as a marathoner, not an ultra marathoner, (laughs) the energy, the energy that we have, you know, there's only so much energy. Right. And so choosing those things and developing the routines that are sustainable, right. Like you said, is what's going to keep us in it, in the game. Yeah. Exactly. So that being said, how, how do you manage, um, you're just a, you're a busy person and you yeah. have all, you're also a professional runner, but you're also, you know, in the medical field. So yeah, how do you, how do you manage that? And how do you know when your energies are low? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I'm definitely someone that likes, to, and I, I, you know, anyone listening, they're like, oh my gosh, she always says this. Um, but I'm definitely someone that, that builds rest, you know, I, I build that into my schedule. Um, and I know that might seem a lot easier said than done. Again, I don't have children either. So I know that adds like a totally different element for a lot of listeners. Um, but you know, I, I'm really, really big on not neglecting my sleep. Like if I'm not able to get, you know, that for me, it's, it's at the eight hour mark. Um, you know, I wish I could get more than that, but typically eight hours is really what I have in my schedule. But, um, if I'm not hitting that mark, I will, I have no issue with backing off, you know, on the intense, whether it's the intensity of the run the next day, the length of the run. Um, you know, I, to me, it's more important to get my rest in and to be sure that I'm recovering, um, as opposed to trying to force the mileage of, like I said, the intensity, um, in terms of kind of like balancing everything, <laughs> it's, I'm definitely a work in progress. Um, when it comes to that. But um, for me, it's just kind of knowing myself. I'm a morning person. So it's like, I know I have to get to bed early. And, you know, because I do my best work like early in the morning, I'd much rather get my, you know, my quality session in before I had to work, um, as opposed to putting it off until I'm really tired at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes down to like knowing myself and then just kind of working through my priorities. Um, you know, and sometimes that means, you know, maybe not watching, you know, an hour of Netflix or something like that. Well, I love doing that. Um, I, I feel like I've gotten, you know, I've had to become more efficient and just kind of identifying time in my day where it's like, okay, like, I just don't have time to scroll through Instagram right now. Like I can do that later. Um, but I can instead get, you know, X, Y, and Z done in that 30 minute time span. Um, you know, and it, it might to some sound like kind of like overscheduling and being like really meticulous with things, but you know, what's, you'll make time for what's important to you. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be impossible to do what you're doing at the level you're doing it without being able to guard your time in that way. Right. Right. You kind of have to be meticulous, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, Yeah. So we've talked about some of the training and what it looks like for you to handle the load and Mm -hmm. the physical uh, aspect of it. Thanks for sharing that, by the way, that was generous of you. Yeah. And then let's talk about the races and 
I mean, these are whole, <laughs> these are like whole animals in and of themselves Yeah, <laughs> for having to employ strategies. Uh, mm-hmm. so let's first talk again about the physical strategies going yeah. into a hundred mile race, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, in what, um, like more specifically, like what regard, um, yeah. So I guess let's, let's talk about pacing. Cause you oh, had mentioned okay, gotcha. it before. Let's, let's talk yeah. about pacing. Like yeah. how, how do you know, because you're not doing a hundred milers every day, what right, indicators right. Yeah. in your yeah. runs? That's and- a great question. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, from a pacing perspective, um, you know, the hundred mile distance should, you know, if, if we're kind of extrapolating out from like, say like my marathon effort to 50 K effort, to 50 mile effort, um, the hundred mile effort for me and for everyone really <coughs> should feel extremely easy. Um, it should never feel like you're really pushing the envelope, especially from the get-go. Um, so for me, I definitely, um, I'm not so fixated on pace. Um, I usually have a speed limit. Um, I know like, okay, so like, you know, 720 is like on paper. Yes. That's in my easy range. I frequently run that pace, you know, here in Colorado at altitude and yeah, it feels easy. Um, but if I start out at that pace, you know, for a hundred mile race, it, you know, it's a little bit too much for me. Um, that's just not quite, um, my, um, my fitness level. Um, so for me, I always have to be sure that, okay, yes, it should feel very easy. And then on top of it, it should feel even easier. Um, you know, so how I kind of approached tunnel Hill was I, you know, I had a chat through with my coach and we decided on kind of a firm speed limit for me. Um, and I, you know, I followed that to a T because I know what the hundred mile distance can feel like if you really push the envelope, um, you know, especially for that first, you know, 50 K even, you know, even through like a hundred K. So, um, for me that looked like 740 pace. Um, and I think I was really right around that mark for a very long time. Um, which told me that, um, you know, my perceived effort was, was right on, um, you know, where it should be. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, anything can happen in a hundred miles, but kind of at every point, the pace should feel sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, it should never feel like you're overreaching, um, you know, there are certain points where you have to kind of make a decision on terms of, in terms of like, you know, if you're racing, you know, if you're running for place, things like that, of course. Um, but for me, it's really, um, getting to that hundred K mark and then seeing what kind of I have left, um, you know, to, to hang strong and pull through, especially for those last like 20 to 25 miles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I can really appreciate that Stephanie. Cause we, Zach and I talk about a lot about yeah. running by effort yeah, and being mm-hmm. able to, to train what the effort should feel like because mm-hmm. circumstances are different courses yeah. are different. Yeah. And if we hold ourselves early on, like you said, yeah. if we know I could run seven twenty pace, yeah. but then I know later on that yeah. might mean something different. Like having, yeah. having pace be more like uh, a, a place I shouldn't go in the first yeah. part of a race, yeah, you know, yeah, having, absolutely. having that as a, as mm-hmm. some feedback. So I yeah. guess that brings me to the question of what does the watch do for you in yeah. a race and do you yeah. use it? Do you look at it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I feel like we've chatted about this, like, um, through social media and stuff. Um, but you, you, you may have noticed too, um, that, um, you know, especially with my coaching, Anytime I have an athlete that asks me like what my kind of overall coaching philosophy is, it really comes down to, I want all my athletes to be running by effort. I, I really could care less if they even had a GPS watch, um, because that's how we become truly intuitive and intelligent athletes. Um, you know, the last thing I want is for either myself or any of my athletes to be just, you know, these kind of robotic, um, you know, strictly runners that are just so fixated on our watch and what our splits say. Um, data is important. And of course, paces, you know, are important, especially for going for, um, you know, specific and competitive time goals. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you have to be so in tune with your body and know like, okay, I'm at the halfway point right now. Like, this is when I need to make a move. You should be able to work through all those decision-making processes, you know, determining if you're overreaching, have you been holding back? Are you able to make that go, you know, or that move? Um, without having to look down at your watch and be like, okay, now I have to do, you know, sixth grade math to try to figure out, you know, we hear that so commonly. Um, but it, it really comes down to, you know, the important thing to me is that I want to be sure that 
I am so in tune with my body that I'm becoming the kind of best well-rounded athlete that I can be, um, besides, you know, just putting myself in this corner as, you know, an ultra runner. Um, I want to know that I'm listening to my body and I'm respecting it. So. Hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. That's the best thing that we can do for ourselves is listen to our bodies. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, with, in the addition of like strength work, you know, my nutrition things like that, I, you know, I feel like <laughs> being, becoming so intuitive and knowing, um, when I'm maybe pushing it too much, um, or when I need to, you know, keep my foot on the gas, that, that is what has helped kept me healthy and probably able to race, um, to the ability that I've been able to do in the past mm-hmm. couple of years. So, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of listening to your body during yeah. a race, and you've done all the strength training, you've done all the work, but you get fatigued mm-hmm. and you, yeah. it, maybe the hundred miler exposes some kind of weakness or there's something yeah. mechanically that just kind of mm-hmm. gets messed up during the yeah. race. Like you step kind of wrong. Yeah. Is there something that you do within the race to like do a body check and yeah. get yourself like back on track? Yeah. Um, that's something that I definitely employed, um, this past weekend. Um, you know, I feel like with any time I line up for a hundred miler, I I'm never, I'm never lining up thinking like, this is going to be great. I'm never going to hurt at any point. I'm so fit. It's going to be just rainbows the whole time. I'm never <laughs> lining up. Like I wish, um, but no, um, I'm always kind of in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, like, you know, you know, when the fatigue sets in, you know, when like the form might start to break down. Um, you know, there's definitely like very specific mile markers for me when it's like, okay, like I'm tired. Like it's, you know, the sun's going down now. Um, so yeah, I definitely go through like a head to toe check. Um, you know, and I just, like I said, I mean, it's exactly how it sounds. I start from the top. I work my way down. I try to identify anything that's like really bothering me. Um, whether that's like you said, from a mechanical standpoint, like am I compensating weird, anything like that. Um, I remember coming through, um, I was right around mile 45 and I like felt this piece of gravel go into my shoe. Um, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm like, I really don't want to have to stop to like shake this out. Um, you know, but I also really didn't want it to just start causing this massive blister on the bottom of my foot. Um, so that was kind of something where I was like, okay, that's, you know, on my list, you know, my head to toe checklist. I'm like, I really need to address that so that it doesn't become something like enormous to where, I'm limping or walking it in, you know, the last 10 miles. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just kind of, I frequently do like head to toe checks, um, you know, and things are transient too. Like I remember, um, this past weekend, like I was nearing, I think mile like 16 or something. And I, in my mind, I was kind of thinking like, oh my gosh, like my right hip flexor, like feels a little bit off. Like it just, it feels like it's tired already or something. And then, um, I was like, okay, like, I'll just, I'll be mindful of it. And then like four miles later, I went through like the 20 mile split and I didn't feel anything anymore. So it's things like that, where it's just, (laughs) it's just kind of working through and then being like, okay, is this something that's serious or is it more of something where it's just like, well, I don't know. It just happens to be feeling this way in this moment. Um, and just being realistic too. Um, you know, I, I always want to address something, like I said, before it turns into something greater, Um, and I feel like doing so during those types of races and even doing that, like even in shorter distance races too, like even like the 10 K half marathon. I mean, I feel like there's value in doing that just so that you're kind of aware, um, you have that self-awareness, um, and it's a learning point too, um, for future races. So Mm -hmm. most definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. And like addressing something early, I think that's a really good Mm -hmm. point. Cause mm-hmm. I was thinking like, oh, something's hurting and then think about it. But I l- really yeah. like that you go through it periodically during the race, mm-hmm. even something that you might not even notice or like right. ignore, like a piece of right. gravel in your shoe would like annoy you for a second, but you could probably ignore it for a few miles. Right. 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 You right. Yeah. Yeah. But in a hundred mile race, like you said, it could be devastating. Yeah. Yeah. In a marathon, it could be devastating as well. So mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. really great advice there doing head to toe yeah. checks. Yeah. Um, I even, I, I even found myself doing that with fueling too. Um, you know, I kind of do a mixture of, um, you know, liquid calories and solid calories. And for whatever reason for me, like I, I enjoy using liquid calories, but sometimes I don't get that same like full feeling, you know, when you like are actually chewing and eating something. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not a registered dietitian, but I, I do know that is like a physiological response where you typically do feel fuller if you've actually been um, chewing your food, but um, at one point during the race, I started to feel that kind of like 
empty gut feeling like I was, you know, that kind of gnawing hunger despite using liquid calories. So for me, that was kind of a part of my head to toe check. It's like, okay, like in two miles at the next aid, I need to be grabbing something more substantial so that I can address that, even though it might not be a caloric deficit issue. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that feeling that I was getting. And I'm like, I don't want to have that feeling. So let's address it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another example. So mm-hmm. that's a great example. So yeah. moving from the physical to yeah. the mental aspect of yes. doing long distance races. Yeah. I listened to a podcast that you were on talking about the, the hundred miler, the wit that, well, I guess you've been <laughs> they both were hundred milers, but you yeah. know, the USATF uh, sure. US championship Yeah, yeah. and just like kind of the end stages where you're just like staying ahead, like, cause you yeah. were ahead and you needed to hold your lead. So yeah. can you talk us through some of the mental strains, uh, some of the mental yeah. tactics, like mm-hmm. things that you do within a race to stay mentally engaged? Yeah. Um, I feel, I, I can't underscore this enough. Um, you know, and you know this too, but the mental aspect for me is like so much more critical than the physical aspect. Again, like we've said, like, yeah, you can't get away with just lining up for a hundred miler on like no training, but if you don't have that solid, like mental strength and that base going in, like you're going to get eaten up. Um, because it's, it's always going to hurt, you know, and the same thing with any other distance too. Like it's, it's, it's never, we don't train for it to become easy, you know, and that's, that's, you know, the classic saying is like, you know, it never gets easier. You just get stronger. Um, for me, it has been years of sharpening my mental strength in order to be able to push through and hold like these kinds of paces for this long. Um, I definitely employ mantras, um, I feel like in the past, I used to use more like kind of like inspirational mantras, um, which are certainly very, very effective and helpful. Um, but for me, like at this point, it's not, it's not so much a matter of like, okay, like I just want to finish this thing. You know, it's definitely like, okay, I have to maintain this pace. Um, so for me, that comes down to like, you know, choosing a word or something like that, that, you know, engages me to focus on my cadence, um, my form, quick feet, um, so let's see this past weekend, um, you know, you're, I always hit a point where it's like, okay, that I feel like I'm maintaining the same effort, but I glanced down at my watch, you know, and I'm starting to see like eights or nines or something like that. Um, so for me, I really, I, I just started, um, kind of like chanting, like just in my head, like focus, 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 um, just like using very simple tactics, um, just to like, keep me on track. Um, you know, I, I, again, I focused on my cadence <clears throat> and keeping it high. Um, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, like we said, like, it's always going to hurt. Um, but I know that in my mind, I've trained for it. I've, I've trained to get to that point and then to be able to push through that kind of pain. Um, and really it's, you know, sometimes I even barter with myself too. I'm like, you know, it sounds very, very ridiculous, but sometimes I'm like, the faster you can get to this aid station, the faster you're going to get to the finish and the faster you can get home and be with the dogs. Like, you know, sometimes it's just kind of talking yourself through it. Um, and like confronting those, um, kind of demons that, you know, you're going to confront out there, um, when your body's like, you know, this is enough, like, this is enough physical exertion. Like we, why are we doing this? Um, you know, really sharpening that, um, those mental tools, um, is, is the difference between you having a successful race. Um, and then you kind of giving up and lifting your foot off the gas. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, having to stay engaged like that is so critical and having a plan Mm -hmm. I found for, for my, for me personally, that I've had to do that. Otherwise, if I am left without a mental (laughs) plan, I tend to have a hard time coming up with positive things to say to myself. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. also I, I like the quick feet, yeah. you know, drive your knees, like yeah. let's do a heel lift for a while, yep. to see yeah. if it, you know, can engage more of my mm-hmm. muscles that have been dormant, you know? Yep. So I think that is super, super important. Yeah. And something I'm wondering for your races, Stephanie, Yeah. it's hard sometimes, at least for me, when I'm mm-hmm. running and I'm not running, like I'm going somewhere because the end is so far away. So I'm like, yeah, there's a good thing about being present in the moment, yeah. but then sometimes when I'm present in the moment, I'll lose some of my drive. Cause I forget that I'm actually running towards the finish line. Yeah. Do you ever have that happen? 
I do, especially like, like I always try to take things one mile at a time, like regardless of the distance I'm lining up for. <laughs> but I mean, that's a lot of miles when it's a hundred mile race. It's like, I, I like you said, I, I do to always try to stay present in the moment, but then sometimes my mind starts to wander and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have to run 40 more miles. Like I've already like, what I've ran 60 miles so, so far, but I still have so far to go. Um, so when, when I start to hit that point, I kind of like, I try to just like disengage from like how far I have left. Um, and I try to focus on how strong I've been running up until this point. Um, and I try to use that as motivation. Um, you know, like you, you didn't come this far to only come this far. Like, let's not think about like, you know, how many hours I still have left on my feet for those like remaining 40 miles. Um, but instead focus on like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, I just went through hundred uh, K like that's the fastest I've ever gone through hundred K before. Um, all I, like all I'm asking of myself now is just to maintain, um, you know, and it, at that point, it's really like, you're not really going to be dropping faster miles than you have already. Um, so that for me is also kind of calming. Um, and I know that's more of like a very specific, um, to the hundred mile distance, uh, maybe not necessarily the marathon. Um, but for me, it's, yeah, it's definitely not allowing my mind to get like too far, like away from me. Um, mm -hmm. and just knowing, you know, that like I've done it before, like I'll do it again. Um, you know, and it's, I never, I never also like, I don't ever give myself an out either. Like mm -hmm. I never think like, Oh, let's just start walking now. Or let's just, um, you know, let's sit down at this age. Now I'm using those as examples, just very specific to my like last couple races, of course, like I'm not encouraging not sitting down or taking breaks like during a hundred mile race. But, um, for me and my specific goals, it's like, I don't even, I, I try not to give myself those outs. Um, you know, it's like, you're, you're fine. Like I'm continuing to do my head to toe checks. Nothing is wrong. Like there, there's, there's no need to hit the panic button. You can continue forward progress, um, and continue moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other, um, because there's nothing wrong. You're fine. Um, you've trained for this. You're still in a safe place. Um, and you can do this. Um, so those are just kind of like the ways I, I talk to myself, um, you know, when things are starting to get like, okay, like this is, you know, it's been hours upon hours and I still have a lot of time left to go. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it sounds to me, Stephanie, like you, I've, there's two types of people, I guess. I didn't know yeah. this until like last year, but yeah. those who say words to themselves in their heads uh -huh. mm -hmm. and then those who like see pictures and they don't yeah. actually like ha have words yeah. going through their head. So you, you yeah. have words going through your head. Yeah. Yeah. So I right? Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm definitely someone that like, I, it's kind of weird, but like you have to be very like comfortable with yourself and who you are. Like, I know that sounds very existential, but like in the kind of race that I just ran, like there is a lot of times where I was alone for a long time. Now that's not always how it is for hundred milers, but, um, you know, by nature of tunnel Hill, the field gets very spread out. Um, no, I was really hoping to have a lot uh, more uh, men to work with, um, this year, but you know, we had some three like world-class fast men. Um, and then I was just kind of a little bit further ahead than the, the remaining rest of the men's field. But, um, but yeah, I have found that I, like, I have to really like love who I am and like the, the person I am. I, that's, I know that sounds silly, but because like, I've, I'm really the only one that I'm like out there with. It's like, I, I have to have that type of almost like friendship and relationship with myself in order to be able to successfully like nail the race, you know, that I trained for. Um, and I think that, but I, I think that that goes, you know, that's kind of the same thing, how it has to be for any distance or really anything we're doing in life. It's like, if you're constantly fighting yourself, um, you know, mentally, um, or even, I don't know, just who you, who you are at your core, um, like you're not ever going to get the best out of yourself. Um, if that makes sense. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Very profound, very true. I know. We got to spend all this time yeah, with ourselves. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, I, it's, it's so strange, but it's like, I almost like in these types of races, it's almost like, it's like me, the, you know, the one that's running and then like my internal, like 
brain. It's like, it's like almost two separate people. Um, and I'm trying to like get them to just mesh well and, and work together and not fight each other. Um, and I know that's, it sounds so like corny and like, I'm trying to be like extra wise with this, but I mean, really at the root of it, that's kind of what it feels like out there. It is extra wise. And I, like, I had never thought of it that way. And it is yeah. so true. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, we're telling, like our putting our minds and our bodies and our <laughs> desires yeah. while listening to the feedback that we're getting from yeah. our bodies and making right. these decisions and trying yeah. to put these two people of ourselves together for a yeah. whole person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like, um, yeah, it's, Running is so much, especially like ultra running is so, it can be so like philosophical, um, which is really neat to me. So. Well, Stephanie, I could talk to you for much longer with all (laughs) of the expertise that you have. And I love this conversation. So many things to to chat about. Um, and I'm excited to, to chat more with you and to follow your journey and to share with our audience, how they connect with you. What is the best way for them to connect with you, Stephanie? Yeah, I'm primarily on Instagram. Um, so that's probably the best way to connect with me. Awesome. Great. Well, yeah. thank you so much and good thank luck you. in your future racing. Thank you for having me, Andy. What a great conversation with Stephanie. I wanted to take notes during that whole thing. So what I did was you, later, you I did take notes. I listened back to it and was taking some notes because it's just a lot of great information there. And of course, Stephanie and her experience is able to give us some amazing advice about how to endure the load of running. One thing she said that I loved was you have to be able to bulletproof your body. And all the preventative measures Stephanie takes, even without injury lurking in the corner. I think that that is really a key takeaway because, like, I am actively doing a lot of mobility and strength exercises because I have injury lurking in the corner. But even those of you who don't have injury lurking in the corner – this is how she stayed injury free for 10 years. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really impressive and also a great lesson to us all. Yeah. And if you haven't been running in Kevlar, at least take her advice and do so so that you will be more more bulletproof. Oh, oh. Also two big points. (laughs) Uh, First is the need to prepare properly in all of the different ways. And so in, in considering how best to prepare for the thing, it's not just what training I need to do. It's all the stuff. And so she reflected on that a bit. And I appreciated that because it's, um, it's good to remember that the kind of event you're doing requires certain kinds of specific preparation. Yeah. Um, but for an ultra marathoner to say, you know, you still, you still need to do like faster stuff too. Um, then clearly if you're a marathoner that applies just as readily. Um, but the question is why? And so if, if these are the things where, if I don't know, you know, I need to ask those questions. These things are good things to do. Do you know why? Mm Mm-hmm find out if you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second point that I just want to dwell on briefly, as Andy was noting, but uh, more precisely, dynamic flexibility. Um, and she mentioned active isolated flexibility, which is the Wharton's specific method, mm-hmm. um, is game changing for yep. her and naturally for nearly everyone who and discovers us. it for the first time. <laughs> Andy and there's Zach a reason, as well. <laughs> th- yeah, there's a reason why Phil Wharton is, is globally sought after mm-hmm. to help runners um, because it works very, yeah. very well. So yep. Good reflections from Stephanie. Good considerations for us all. And with that, let's go ahead and touch on the world of running. First of all, congratulations to many turkey trotters out there for 2021 awesome races and fun had by many, including the winning of pies in the Ripley household. Lots of fun stuff. Well, I do want to note one of our A to Z runners. Well, we had many A to Z runners who did turkey trots, but one that we wanted to give a special shout out today, Ashley, who ran a 25 minute PR in the 8K. In the 8K. Uh Uh-huh. Which basically means she ran five minutes per mile faster than previously. Mm -hmm. And I'm being literal there. So, Yes, that is excellent work. Nice job, Ashley. And very exciting to see the progress over time with something like that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So congrats to all. Now, number one on our list of three is the Hachioji Long Distance Meet from Japan. Now, 
you know, because we've done this before, we really enjoy reporting things from Japan Running News. That site is just incredible because they just give you so much good detail. And mm -hmm. I like the detail. <laughs> well, this did not disappoint. So at the Hachioji meet, they were running 10,000 meter heats. And one of the things with these kinds of track meets is it's always very focused. You know, the, this is a long distance meet intended for people to come out and run fast in the 10,000 meters. On the track, by the way. On the track. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly what they did. Now... I have to simply dwell on this for just a moment that this is not surprising to those of us who've been paying attention to where distance running is going in Japan mm -hmm. right now. It's not surprising because things are happening over there. And there's two very clear reasons. Happening fast. Happening fast. So look at that. Uh, the first reason is because they are very successful in the last 50 years of continually developing high quality distance runners. They follow ex excellent coaching protocols, and it's a well-oiled machine in terms of just how the training programs and the different levels, you know, from youth up through the university levels. But the other thing about Japan and their distance running scene is how much money the corporate scene yeah. is putting into the sport. So there's mm -hmm. tons of opportunity. Like, there's dollars everywhere for runners who can get to show up and try to you yeah. know, prove themselves yeah it's really it's awesome. neat and it was also one of the reasons why the tokyo olympics even happened was because of these sponsors that also sponsor these runners they're very highly invested in the sport culture in japan and then running is a very important sport it so. is indeed it should be everywhere but so <laughs> having that context now you know then why this was not surprising to hear that they broke a record for the number of men who ran under 28 minutes in a single heat of the 10,000 meter run. Yes, the yes. number of men. And so what it was was 21 different men ran under 28 minutes. The fastest being Evans Kietini, who runs for Toyota Boshuku, and ran 27-28, winning the race by two-tenths of a second, or a quarter of a second, basically. And that was excellent but then behind him 20 more men yeah. before the 28 minute barrier the previous best was 20 in a single heat so 20 they beat it by one and by the way that was at the olympics yeah. when the last time so right. like an international stage were the very best across the entire world this was just a single distance running meet in japan uh -huh. and they were not just japanese runners i think eight of them were japanese yeah. eight of 21 were eight japanese. of 21 were japanese mm -hmm. um Look at that. You've got the note right there. Mm -hmm. So eight of 21 were Japanese, uh, which means, you know, certainly still international, but by no means grabbing every fastest runner from the entire world. Right. Either. Yeah. So that's incredible. Good stuff. Um, now, in addition to that, so 21 did it in a single heat. Another 14 ran under 28 minutes in the next heat. And so that meant 35 men in a single day in a single meet that that. Wow. I'm just I'm, I'm shocked and amazed. Yeah. And all, all of these things amazing so that's good impressive but good things were happening in another another yes. part of the world as well the manchester road race now there are like i mentioned a lot of turkey trots all over the country but the one in manchester holds some special it's a it's a big meet and they bring in some great talent and, and it's a random distance it's a random distance the race was first held in 1927 and the the race distance is 4.748 miles, which is 7.641 kilometers. Okay. Listen, people, listen. In 1927, <laughs> they didn't set races because they were 5,000 meters. They set races because they went from here and ended over here. Okay. And wherever the path is they took was the race. All right. That is why that distance is so random. And it probably is why it's so popular maybe oh yeah sure perhaps because it's kind of a different distance and you don't have a lot to compare it to we talked about that with erica kemp you know a different race distances can bring yep. new life to a race something well in the men's race ben flanagan pulled away from the field just before the two mile mark of the 4.748 you don't have to read the exact mile race every time you <laughs> anyone by 12 seconds which Solid. is significant mm -hmm. and our previous podcast guest sam chalenga was third in well the done mm-hmm the women's race, um, we uh, sorry. Wayne Kalati. <laughs> yeah, I've been talking about her constantly. Right now. <laughs> Remember, this is sorry, her debut pro that. season. Mm -hmm. She was collegiate and only just this year now, just this fall, began running professionally. And she's just crushing yeah. everything. Yeah, Kalati led from the gun. And she was never really challenged too much. And she set a new course record of 22.55 
which was a, a minute and two seconds off the old record. Whoa. And previous podcast guest, Kira D'Amato, was second, and she also won the previous or broke the previous course record by eight seconds. Oh, man. Yeah. These so women are flying. That's average of running. 450 per yeah. mile pace. And listen, when someone can beat Kira D'Amato by nearly a minute also yeah. in a race, Kaladi is just rocket. Mm-hmm. She is rocket. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Now, Good stuff to see. Yeah, and this is also some more Thanksgiving news. The official fastest known turkey world record was Which by the way, one. for clarity, that's not a real turkey. That's a person it's dressed a person. as a yes, turkey. Fastest known turkey. I intentionally kept that vague in the introduction. Okay, That's great. Clarifying. Uh, so that was broken by Olympian Molly Seidel. It wasn't her own record it was, previously. But no, because it was unofficial. Oh, uh, well. And now it's wait, actually an official is this record. official? Yes. Uh, how do you make that official? I mean, I'm I'm quoting Canadian news, ah, so so it's official because Canadian news reported it. Okay, I'll go with that. I'll blame them if it's not. Ha. I don't know. So Seidel actually went about a minute slower than last year's time that she set, and that was virtual. So now she ran it in an actual race, and that was thirty five thirty four, and she was first place in the race. Well, to for the ten k to her so you know, credit, 10K. this is only like two and a half weeks after. The New York Marathon yeah. <laughs> that she ran. So maybe a minute slower than the previous time she did it is probably a forgivable. And I guess she had like a tail ma- malfunction. I write in a tail different. Tail malfunction? Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask I, too many questions. I read that. Just when you dress like article, a turkey. I can't remember who to happen. credit for that. But yes. Yep. Okay. That's what happens when you dress as the fastest known turkey. And also when you're just super fast runner, period, and run anything, <laughs> dressed as anything, you're probably going to set some kind of record. Yeah. And I think it's just fun that Molly keeps it fresh. She does some fun things. The question is, was she flapping her wings the whole time? Because oh, if you've ever be seen a turkey run all out, there's a lot of flapping and squawking. Oh. Maybe not the whole time. I, yeah. I mean, that's pretty fast to have to do that. And with that... There's plenty more to say, so stick around next week for more interesting tidbits from the world of running. But for now, we have appreciated your time listening to our words. And now what we would want is your words so that we can read them to you on air. So go to the places where the things are said and comment and share questions, share your thoughts, ideas, and insights, because really what we like to do the most is talk about the things that you're thinking about Mm. or asking about or talking about. So join the conversation. Go on the social media places. Instagram's the easiest one to do because we post there most often. But then also, of course, if you're on YouTube, it's great to add the comments, drop them down in there so that people think there's actually real humans listening and watching (laughs) on YouTube. That would be nice. Well, we appreciate all of you and connecting with you. It is a season of gratitude. So I did want to express our gratitude, Zach and I, uh, for for your listenership and how you've connected with us. We really appreciate you tuning in that we do so Mm -hmm. stick around next week for another one until then 